And I'm here tonight to say random things into this here microphone and answer the questions that you, the listening audience at home, have been burning, 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 like your syphilitic genitals, burning, to ask me. So yeah, I asked you guys for some questions because I don't like to do show prep on my own, and this is the shit you came up with. Oh no, I did want to actually say some stuff first. Go to facebook.com slash thestandardpdx, thestandardpdx. And that is the bar that sponsors my show. If you go there and click like, you get immediately 46% more attractive to whichever sex you would like to be 46% more attracted to. Or if you'd like to divide it in half, I am offering a deal in which you can be 23% more attractive to both sexes. This does apply to hermaphrodites, but... None of those people that have more than two chromosomes, two sex chromosomes. You got to be either XX or XY only. That's the rule. Sorry. It's all state of Oregon, um, liquor control board thing. I didn't make the rules. I'm just here to enforce them. So go to facebook.com slash the standard PDX. And if you do that, you'll be 46% uh, more attractive to the sex partner that you want to have sex with or 23% to divide it down the middle, either XX or XY. I apologize. On Thursdays, we do have a whole extra chromosome deal, but I don't really have it worked out yet. I'll get to it on the next episode. I will totally talk about that. We'll be good. Um, so, yeah, cool. Go to facebook.com slash the standard PDX. So in completely no order, uh, because this is the one that I'm staring at, and they asked me closest to the broadcast, I am asked by at pretty violent, the number one, what is your opinion on hot air balloons? Um, ich liebe 919 Luftballons, which I don't actually think it's Luftballons. 909 Luftballons. Well, uh, that's a song by Nina from the 1980s, if you're old like me, that you may remember. It's quite a fun song, and at one point in German, she says something about Captain Kirk. Uh, hot air balloons. I like hot air balloons. Uh, I get freaked out by the fact that you can just use hot plus canvas and then some wicker basket and somehow that achieves flight it's it seems like some kind of devil tree or witchcraft and as we all know we here on the alex cast do not support devil tree or witchcraft we support devil tree and witchcraft i don't like splitting the two down the middle this is not like the standard weird splitting the chromosomes down the middle deal that i was telling you guys about before perfect so that's my opinion on hot air ballooning. It's fine. I've never been on a hot air balloon. I think it would be terrifying. Though, I do think... I think sitting on the little edge of the burlap... The burlap of the... If you sit on the edge of the wicker basket in a hot air balloon and it's making that noise, which I didn't think I'd be able to imitate the noise of a, of a hot air balloon fire, I would have thought I could do better than what just came out of my mouth. And I'm not even going to try it again because I can't edit this out because zero of you are listening right now. So the brain asked me at brain underscore the, I wonder where you joined Twitter. That's actually a pretty good fucking handle. Well done. When did you see your, when did you see, when did you first see a porn movie? What was the title? Also, how long is too long to be on the toilet? Prolapsed anus is the answer to both actually. Weirdly enough. But yeah, it's never too long to be on the toilet, except for the fact that I think they say that you're never, you're not supposed to sit on the toilet for too long. I'm not a person, I don't discuss my toilet habits, it's not something I'll do, but I will discuss the length of things, because I do have a cell phone, and there's Sudoku on there, and it takes me an average of nine and a half minutes to finish uh, the hardest level of Sudoku on, on my phone. So I think anything more than 
Anything more than level 5 Sudoku is too long to be on the toilet. That's just my opinion, which is why I said it. Because you asked me what my opinion was, and I gave it. So I don't know why I clarified that. In fact, this whole thing seems pretty fucking stupid to go into now. God damn it, the brain. Uh, the first porno movie I saw, I do remember the title. I'm trying to think of the year. It was probably about, I'm going to say I was seven or eight years old. And when I was a kid, I was still I, I was very uh, sexually aware as a kid, I guess. Um, it's probably because I got railed hard by my uncle a bunch of times. <laughs> that didn't happen at all. Again, must remember, can't edit things out of live broadcast. Um, no, uh, yeah, so I was, I was fucking jerking well before any of the equipment actually did its proper, uh, proper functioning. But there was one I do recall was, uh, my father's copy of Barbarella, the movie starring, oh, that famous actress from back then, eh, whatever her name was. And, but the first full out porno, which that was pretty porno for, for the, um, for the eighties, I guess, or for being a young, you know, you know seven year old. Was in the beginning, it was, um, whatever the actress's name floating around in her spaceship. And there were, uh, she was completely nude except for the title letters were moving with her and placing themselves so as to cover up all the good bits. Pretty goddamn titillating for, for that time. What the fuck is that lady's name? Sorry. Hold on, everybody. Barbarella. Jane something, right? Jane Fonda. I know who that is. Barbarella. Funny story, when I was seven, the real name of the, the porno that I watched for the first time in about 1987 was, it was called Indiana Joan, and it was a spoof of the Indiana Jones films. Uh, this starred a lusty young woman, rather voluptuous, who went to retrieve some kind of artifact and uh, encountered some natives on the way to retrieving aforementioned artifact. And not to give, all right, spoiler alert, guys, if you were planning on watching this week's Indiana Joan, I'm going to give away what happens. Well, she starts to feel a little amorous towards these uh, local tribesmen. And, um, well, let's just say she tops with the noble savage. And boy, howdy, was it sexy. I have no memory of it being sexy. I can't imagine it's good. It's probably got giant, huge 1980s pubic hair mounds and it's probably horrible in fact maybe i should if anybody at home uh, is listening and no one is you should find a link to it somewhere there's no way it still exists on the internet the answer 1987 indiana joan sexy that of nowhere Struckface, our friend Struckface, mateo from at the whatcast the whatcast.lipson.com he asked me, if you could have one supernatural ability, what would it be? Pardon me as I take a sip of my Zevia zero-calorie soda. Ooh, color me refreshed. Right now I'm in desperate need of teleportation, or um, some kind of speed boost would be good. I have a, <clears throat> I have a certain need to be uh, on the East Coast, which cannot be slaked by plane travel in this common bullshit bourgeois world that we live in, or some kind of Banff-like Nightcrawler, Kurt Wagner-esque teleportation. But I don't know if he could teleport all the way from the east, from the west coast to the east coast or back again. And I also don't want to be a blue demon monster with horrible fingers and smell of brimstone. I think brimstone kind of smells like poo. I think that's kind of the idea. I think it's like a sulfur kind of gross smell. So... Not doing, like, I just mean, like, kind of, um, you know that movie Jumper that no one saw? Probably something like that. I didn't see it. It probably works somewhere like that. After those two, I think some kind of Charles Xavier from the X-Men comics power. Super brilliant. Though I would definitely want more legs. So a non-wheelchair-bound Charles Xavier, I think, would be a good superpower. Yeah, that'd be good. Or... Can, can you time travel? Is that a, with that kind of superpower? Because I wouldn't mind doing that. That'd be pretty good. All right, I'm gonna go with. Well, first is I need teleportation because of my travel needs. Uh, second, uh, tied for second, either Charles Xavier or or time travel abilities. Well, time and well, time and space are interconnected. So 
I'm gonna yeah, right, I'm gonna say ultimate travel ability. This actually this 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 fixes everything. I want to be able to travel both in time and space, which is the same thing as we found out through Einstein, the the, uh, the special and the general theory of relativity. Is that that that's what I want? I want to be able to curve space time, and then be able to tra transit in space time in real time, so as to move from left to right, or being invisible, and I'll totally look at some tits. That'd be awesome. Tits. I say tits like a gay guy that's trying to cover up being homosexual. Tits. Sorry, someone's um, someone's texting texting me right now, and I'm gonna we're just gonna face this, guys. I like her a lot more than I like you guys. Um, my apartment is carpeted in the echo chamber. There is one carpet thrown on the ground without a carpet cover or pad, whatever you call that. So it's kind of useless, but it does it does um soak up the sound a little bit so the term echo chamber doesn't really work anymore but yeah so your debate can be calmed and there is your answer uh what else have people asked me this isn't working out so well i'm really sorry guys i was expecting a little bit more of a like a response you guys could you know come and show up and or you know we can do a prayer together our father who art in echo chamber Alex, be thy name. Thy basement come. Thy will be done on earth as it is on you stream. Give us this day our daily cast and forgive us our previous podcasts as we forgive those who podcast against us. And lead us not into stagnation by Matt Stags, but deliver us from Night Vale. Now and in the hour of our later death. Amen. That was fucking impressive off the top of my head. I barely remember the words of that fucking song in the first place. I'm pretty happy. No, well, Nate asked me to talk about quantum physics. I don't know what to talk about, though. Well, okay, so at Nate Brantley, uh, previous and future guest on the show. All right, so quantum physics. All right, I'll play, let's play Professor Alex here. So the world of the quanta. Something that is one of the many subatomic particles. Things were named atomic particles back in the day. Uh, atomic actually comes from the Greek root to mean uh, to essentially mean uh, the thing, the the smallest. It is the single unit. Nothing can be smaller than the atom. It is the unit that creates all things. So, as with everything else from the ancient Greeks and Romans, they were wrong as fuck, and they found. So we found electrons neutrons and protons and and we found that there was a they were circling around a nucleus and then we cut into the nucleus and we found uh smaller subatomic particles taking the form of what's beneath there uh quarks quarks are beneath there quarks are mm, six varieties of quark which are up down charmed no no it's north charmed whatever there's six varieties of quark you can look it up for your goddamn self i'm trying to talk and read shit at the same time and do weird prayers for my Catholic childhood, half-remembered. So, the quantum is the scale even below that. It's the the smallest of the small, the fundamental things that make up the universe. And what's interesting about when you get down to the quantum level is physics works really nicely in, well, like, they kind of, they refer to it as Newtonian physics, but, like, it's not. Because uh, Newton was wrong about a bunch of shit, but like the the top level physics as we understand it, relativistic physics, is pretty understandable. You roll a, a fucking uh, a ball down the street, it's gonna obey momentum, volt, you know, velocity, gravity, all gonna combine to have a predictive model of reality in which that ball moves. You drop two spheres off of off of a building that are about the same shape, completely different masses. You see them fall at the same rate. Gravity. Pretty easy to fucking follow. However, you can scale that. This is not the however yet. I want to explain what I'm saying first. You can scale this up, add, add just to as big as you want. So the same laws that allow me to drop a pen and predict its actions in this room, uh, those same laws are the ones that have the Earth rotate around the sun, and they're the same laws that have time dilation and gravity. Time dilation is that weird thing. If you ever heard the twin paradox, 
you go on a space, uh, you have a twin on Earth, your exact same age. One twin stays on Earth, the other twin goes into a rocket ship going very near the speed of light. In, relative to the twin in the rocket, the rocket ship twin feels three years go by. He travels for what seems like three years. When he comes back, his twin brother or twin sister has aged 30 years, even though they were born at the exact same moment, because time is relative to speed. This is all part of the physics. These are all extractions of the way that the kind of basic Newtonian physics affects the world. If you take it the other way, shit starts getting weird when you get really, really small. On the quantum level, there's these weird things that happen where less than you can drop a hen and predict its action every time. On the quantum level, it's, it is a, how would you describe it? In a way that would make any sense to anyone. It is a statistical model. So on the quantum level, there is a probability that something will happen and that probability can be mapped, but not predicted. It can be predicted, but ex post facto, which is kind of weird. So the idea is in quantum physics, you can have two particles that don't interact with each other, nowhere near each other, not connected in any way, be affected by the other. Uh, it's kind of like, I think it's called spooky action at a distance. I think that one's called. But So essentially, let's say you turn a light switch on in New Jersey. There can be a light switch going off in Alpha Centauri. Obviously, we're talking about things much, much smaller than light switches, much smaller than the electrons that are traveling down the down the wires that connect them, but no, no connection, which is completely and utterly against the laws of physics as we understand them. But the laws of physics, as I was describing before, gravitation, you know, cause and effect, causal relationships fall the fuck apart when you get to a really small quantum level. What they think is happening is string theory. Which I'm not going to go into because I'm not that smart. I'm already done a shit job describing this. But string theory essentially is you can get smaller than 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 um, quarks, and the the smallest level, the most primal level that we can get to right now, or, or think we can get to, is these tiny tiny filaments that essentially are the building blocks, a building probability structures of the universe. And those probability structures work like strings, much like if you play a guitar, you could pluck uh, the pluck the E and you'll make the sound of E. These are, you essentially vibrate the string and it makes the sound of gravitation or the weak nuclear force or um, what a quark is. So what we're observing at the larger level of the universe is perturbations or vibrations in this fundamental tiny, tiny matter on the quantum level. I don't know if you're following this, but it's super fucking interesting. And you should probably find somebody that knows like a lot more than me and isn't an idiot to explain it to you because it's super fucking fascinating. But the interesting thing is we don't know where shit starts to break. So we can use the, the, the relative, uh, you know, relativistic universe model, Newtonian physics, the physics you and I would think of as physics to model like everything we can see from the fucking expansion two seconds after the Big Bang to now to dropping a pen to uh, flying an airplane and then you turn your lights on and, and then you fall out of the airplane and you watch another train go by while you're throwing something with your left hand. All of that can be modeled using the physics that we have. Super complicated if you want to do that because things are relative to each other. Time starts shifting. It can be a mess, but it's it's an it's an elegant mess, and it can be it can be extrapolated, and you get smaller and smaller and smaller. Break into an atom, break into quarks, and then somewhere between there and the world of the quanta, shit stops working. So you can't predict spooky action at a distance. What I was saying before about turning the light switch on in New Jersey, having a light go off in Alpha Centauri instantaneously. That cannot be explained by the physics. That's so elegantly explained you falling out of that airplane, why we there's a rotation of the Earth around the sun, why the asteroid belts are there, why light is light is changed by the force of gravity, why time gets dilated by speed. This all works really well until you get to that small part. So right now, what physicists are trying to figure out is one, how to meld these two theories together. Because it seems strange in science to have two completely, two theories that are completely at fucking odds with each other, agree with each other. 
like you can't have two completely two conflicting theories both be right it doesn't you know science doesn't work that way so what they think is this what they think the idea is that on some really early primal part of the universe like the first one millionth of a second after the big bang that there's so much heat and energy right there that essentially the laws of physics as we understand them kind of melt i know this brain brain green great a physicist described it as this is that if you think of if you think of uh classical physics uh, as as you and i would understand physics ball rolling down the street as an ice cube and then the quantum physics as a glass of water you can drop the ice cube in the water and it's the same thing but they're separate and then if you get the heat right they both turn into steam so you heat them up ice cube and water at some one given temperature they both turn into steam they both change their state irreparably from the two disparate things that we see ice cube and water turn into steam at the same temperature what they think is that at the big bang or pre-big bang or right after the big bang is the universe is just so boiling hot and dense and fucked up that essentially that's the temperature at which the laws of physics, both quantum and the relativistic Newtonian physics, essentially became so hot they turned into steam. I mean, this is obviously a metaphor, but all the laws kind of break at a certain point. And then as it cools, they coalesce into two disparate forms of that same substructure. That substructure being in the in our water analogy, you know, water, ice, and one part became ice because it solidified it, eh, you know, whatever. And meaning a temperature or I mean it would be a temperature, it'd be a it would be a state of energy. And the other side of it becoming the water, the other side becoming ice. So you're looking at two disparate things existing next to each other in disagreement because the temperature is wrong, the energy is wrong. But when pressed or exploded to a small enough level, they could actually be the same thing, much like the steam example. That probably wasn't helpful or interesting to anybody. So you can blame at Nate Brantley. Find him on Twitter and say, hey, why did you ask Alex about quantum theory? Because that was terrifically boring. But maybe if anybody somehow could follow that rambling piece of crap thing I just answered, you could you could think at Nate Brantley. Now, according according to the Ustream broadcaster I'm looking at, there's two people listening. So what up, dogs? <laughs> really regret this whole doing a solo show, but I'm going to plot on. I'm going to put an intro in the beginning of this one and say, hey, guys, it's me, Alex. This show sucks, and everything about it is terrible. Oh, yeah, okay, so here's here's something that, I don't even know if I can talk about it, but I, I'm going to bring up, maybe somebody can explain it to me. So, I was I was listening to Mysterious Universe, which is uh, one of the better podcasts in the world, mysteriousuniverse.org, and um, they were discussing this book about the ancient origins of Australia, that there's a uh aboriginal legend there of them having a, a really deeper past that there were people on australia for you know hundreds of thousands of years before the currently accepted model and apparently they're finding or whack job people are finding and claiming so you know take take this with a with a giant handful of salt and then throw it in your eyes and go ah why am i listening to facts about history from alex he doesn't know shit about quantum theory why don't i throw salt in my eyes this is like a 1987 wrestler's manager uh when you're done screaming about the salt being in your eyes go back to think about that apparently they found these giant structures in in uh the bush of australia they could be evidence of uh, a very ancient culture antediluvian culture at that um i was just thinking i don't know how to find it because this is i need to find, i need a sciencey person maybe i'll ask martin j clemens uh, he's good at that stuff at 14 writer he's good at researching things so as as we know that listen that listens to this show or i don't know if if you've listened recently i haven't been talking about it that much but I'm really interested in the in the concept that we may have had an entire epoch of human history that got lost. The my personal leanings go something towards I think about ten to twelve thousand years ago, at uh, the kind of uh, ice age ish mark, there was a civilization that was probably 
just about ancient Rome level sophisticated, if not a little bit more world travelers in a fashion, uh, maybe going so far as to make it to South, what we call South America or something along those lines. But that's the, that's the credence that that's as far as the credence that I'm going as, as, as much as I'm a fucking nut job. And I think Egyptian deities are being channeled into me on a regular basis. Um, I do actually really respect the work of scholars. I know that's kind of anathema to say in this community where we like the weird shit, but I know a lot of scholars. I know people that do actual scholarly research and they're not hiding stuff from us. There isn't a conspiracy. There's just not enough evidence to rewrite the books yet. And if there was enough evidence, they would. For instance, Neanderthals. When I was a kid, we weren't related to them. Like, we never interbred, and uh, they made it to, you know, uh, they made it to Europe, I think, I think 20,000 years later than what they did now. What I'm saying is they've pushed back the clock on Neanderthal by 27 years, 27,000, Jesus, fuck Rod, Alex, 20,000 years into Europe, and now there's genetic evidence that we've interbred with them. Now, there wasn't a giant, uh, you know conspiracy to hide it it wasn't oh my god it turns out that that the neanderthal were actually the the nephilim and that the white race is superior because the white europeans have more neanderthal dna than other race no they just it was just science they go oh shit hey look what we proved let's tell everybody about it so there's no there's no fucking giant conspiracy sorry i just want to get that out there because that's one of the things that bother me if you smell conspiracy and a lot of historical or, or history-based topics most of it is a combination of things. One, academics are snooty and they ha their their systems are established. So you need to wait a while for things to change. But that's the way it should be because we're not supposed to find one bit of evidence go, Bosnian period, oh my God, there was Atlantis. No, you calmly research things and it takes fucking forever. But that's the way it should work. You know, we're so, we're so indoctrinated that, that, you know, in the modern site, this modern news cycle where the biggest stories in the world last three days and everybody goes nuts over it. That's just not the speed that academia works. So let me get back to the point I was making and I'm not making a point. I'm asking a question. So shut up, Alex. What can we prove about the possibility of the antediluvian culture? Um, antediluvian is, if you don't know that term, and I'm not trying to be, um, I'm not trying to be snooty to explain big words to you, but, um, that's one of those ones you might not know. Antediluvian literally means before the flood. Uh, it's a, although a shitty term, it's the one that came down to us in the flood that referring to, of course, the flood from the Bible. Now, not to say that actually has any evidence, but what I am trying to say is that's the term. So the antediluvian culture, we kind of put at about 10 to 12,000 years ago that there could be a giant culture there. We have really good DNA, you know, um, studying ability i don't know how to put that like our our genetic knowledge is so much better than it used to be and i've I've talked to my buddy colin about this about um north america who who discovered quote-unquote north america now i had looked for it and i think i had found a bit of evidence to say that there's actually genetic markers saying that there was two distinct uh tra uh, uh uh entrances into North and South America, one going from the Beringeal land, land bridge uh, in the north. Essentially, Alaska, Eda, Russia used to be uh, an area where you could walk across. And the other being from the really, really super, super South America, down by like whatever the pointy bit at the bottom of South America is. Argentina? Whatever's down there. And I think I'd seen some some evidence... Um, or a paper that they've written that there actually are genetic markers to say that that is a distinct group of people that entered from the South and from the North. Cause I, n I never found it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Sorry, just a quick aside. It doesn't make sense to me to walk across the Beringeal land bridge. Then you don't build anything for however long it takes you to walk all the way to the bottomest bottom part of South America. You ran a, you run out of places to walk and then go, Oh yeah, I guess we should start building that all that advanced culture. We know how to build. Why would you, you, I mean, you skip the entire way just out of nowhere. Oh shit. Now we're going to start moving northward in our, in our building of megalithic structures, which is what you see. And it just doesn't make sense to me. So anyway, 
is that what can we know from genetics, like in the example I just gave, if you could follow that example, you're very smart because that was really ramblingly stupid. But what I mean is, can we see genetic markers of a split like we see with, if assuming I'm correct, that you can see that uh, people arrived in the bottom most part of South America, you can see haploid group XXXXX, you know, some, some genetic marker that's carried there that's distinct from the people that came from the north. So you can kind of, I don't know if you can estimate time, but you can see that these are two different migrations into the kind of supercontinent of North and South America. Is there a way to do that, to track some kind of, you know, I don't know, some kind of really deep genetic marker, some kind of junk DNA or some kind of, some kind of thing to figure out where Assuming out of the out of Africa theory is correct, is there a way, is there a way to figure out if there was a group of people that were separate enough for long enough to create an advanced culture like this, um, more than Rome culture that I'm I'm positing? Can we see that genetically? Like, would we be able to see the Atlantis genes? And I don't mean they moaned into a crystal and learned how to heal themselves. I just mean could we see an island culture in a genetics in genetics? Like, could we sample the world and figure out, Oh, that's weird. I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a place that's like really put on. Oh, oh, like, like Aboriginal Australians, you, you could go, Oh, well you don't see other genes entering into this, this gene pool for 30,000 years until white settlers show back up. So you can look at that and go, okay, well, so we know that, that's a distinct group of people for X number of years. Could we, is there a way to go back through everybody and figure out if there was a supercontinent or there was a, there was a culture that we could see in the genes, even though we have no evidence, of the actual culture, other than these theoretical things of, you know, the, the megalithic monument builders and the technology being passed down, et cetera. I mean, like on a pure science level, I wonder if that's something that could be tracked or has been attempted to be tracked. So I ask this to you, my my delightful and loving audience. Somebody find at 14 writer and ask him about this because I want to know and I don't want to do research. What I want to do is what I always do is know half remembered shit from like six years ago. Say it into a microphone. Assume no one else is interested enough to copy, you know, to, to fact check me. Think that I'm smart and then I'll just keep going on my merry way. Every now and again, someone's going to go back, look into what I said and go, oh man, he's an idiot. Like, do you realize how many, like, if I had physicists listening, my description of quantum physics from earlier may have been the dumbest thing a human being's ever said, ever. But in comparison to someone that doesn't know about quantum physics, that may have been something that in my rambling stupidity, I may have given off a little bit of evidence of wonder. And they could go on to go, oh, I want to know about this quantum physics stuff. And then maybe they'll have the idea that breaks through and they'll be the one that figures out how string theory works and connect, connected to the standard model of physics. And then I can be responsible, me, 100% responsible for fucking solving the problem of quantum physics versus the traditional relativistic physics. And God damn it, folks, I believe it's finally my time. I think it's finally time that the goddamn Nobel committee recognizes my contributions to science. I don't know what hitting this table sounds like on the show. I can't imagine that sounded good. Um, sorry about that. I thought it'd be fun to do that, but then I realized there's no visual element here. So seeing me hit a table is one thing. Hearing just a horrible noise that sounds like I'm being raped by Cossacks is an entire, uh, another one. I'm very sorry for that people, but I'll love you anyway. Well, let's see. Well, apparently it's raining right now on the East Coast, which is fun. Hi, East Coast. Thank you for listening in the ring. Oh yeah. Uh, here's another thing. So Sarah, my, uh, my very good friend that I talked to introduced me to, well, I think introduced me to something that may be breaking up my social group. And I'm going to have to explain this to y'all. And Oh, well, let me take a moment to say thank you again, Sarah, for this, because you just gave me two things to talk about. So I want you guys to go to, actually, I'm going to tweet the link again right now. This is an article from Slate.com. No, I can tweet it now. I'll tweet it when the show's over. That is a vocabulary test. It is 18 questions long. About words that are often confused, words that you might not know, 
things of that nature. It's actually said bubble vocabulary, the words you almost know, sometimes use, but are secretly unsure of. I have a degree in English writing. I read a tremendous amount. I used to read more before I started working on novels. It's a lot easier for me to read when I'm when I'm just in my poet phase, but nevertheless, I read quite a bit. I, you know, I used to average like 70 books a year or so. I've written volumes of stuff. I have a pretty fucking big vocabulary. Maybe not functional vocabulary, but I recognize swaths of work, just huge tracts of land. Wait, no, that's tits from Monty Python. But I know a lot of words. This fucking test is goddamn difficult. And this is not to make uh, uh, Sarah feel better. This is to make Martin J. Clemens feel better. This is to make my friend Colin feel better. This is to make my friend Dave feel better. This is to make me feel better. Because I'm now in multiple conversations about how dumb we feel because of this fucking vocabulary quiz. I don't like feeling this stupid. And I rarely feel this stupid with words. Sometimes, if you run into philosophical terms that I'm unfamiliar with or have just forgotten, I'll forgive myself a bit. I sometimes takes me a second to remember the difference between solipsism and existentialism. Solipsism, I think, was actually a question in here. I think solipsism is the one where the only thing that could possibly exist, therefore be God, is, is yourself. Existentialism is all things are God. I know those are shitty ways to describe it because it wouldn't be a philosophy if it could be described in four seconds on a shitty podcast by some fat guy from Oregon. This test has thrown waves of discord through my social group. I got 15 out of 18. I, I sent out that 15 out of 18 with a frowny face. Because I thought, how could I miss three of these? But here's the thing. I could have missed a lot more. I guessed on two of them. Now, I didn't guess in the way that I went, closed my eyes, hit one of the four. I didn't have a 25% chance. I had a 50% chance, and I probably had more like a 75, because I you can usually take two of the answers out. And then of the other two, you lean you know, towards one that makes more sense. But still, I didn't miss those guesses. And on the two or three I got wrong, I mean, I guess I did miss those guesses, but those weren't ones in which I could remove any of the options i just wouldn't you know i fucked up and i cried openly i want you all to take this and i don't want i don't want you to cheat i want you to take it straight and report back to me what you got so far i'm leading with 15 and by leading with 15 out of 18 i'm going to go so far as to say 12 out of 18. Now, I did get 15. I'm not lying. I did not cheat. But I think that could have easily been 12 out of 18. Because there's a, there's the, the, the two that I guessed, and I'm putting guessed in quote marks, which you can't see because you can't look at me right now. And there's a couple more that were ish. So I'd be fine with saying 12 out of 18, although it was 15. I would like to know what you got because that seems to be the lead. Uh, Sarah, who was who was disappointed with this, got nine out of eighteen, which I'm not saying to to shame her. She's beating two of my friends that I went to school with for English. Uh, uh, got lower than her, uh, you know, English holders of advanced degrees in the language. So fuck slate, fuck slate, and fuck everybody, because this thing is this thing is has torn my group asunder. On top of that, if I may add, cheating. And this is why I wanted to bring it up. I am not a cheater. It's not my way. I mean, unless you count girlfriends and tests, I don't cheat on things. That was a little joke. I'm not, I am not a cheater. I don't like doing it unless it's, you know, against the government or something like that. But if it's an actual person, uh, no, I'm, I'm just, I think that is a betrayal and I don't like it. There is a thing going on in my life right now that I want to tell you about. I have two friends that are cheating at Scrabble. And they're playing against me. Now, I don't know if he listens, but Colin, I'm not talking about you. 
Colin is one of my friends who is beating me legitimately, legitimately at Scrabble and bothering the hell out of me. Because it's a combination of he's as good or slightly better than me. And it's one of those things where if we, it's whoever gets the better tiles for the most part, but he's got to get slightly less better tiles to beat me. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like if he goes 50 50, he's probably going to, you know, if the tiles distribute evenly in a way that gives us both advantageous situations to win the game, he's probably a couple percent better than me. And that's tough for me to admit because I'm very good at Scrabble, but you know, you have to, you have to man up, but it's a combination of him being slightly better and me not getting tiles at all or at the right time. And it's so fucking frustrating, but I'm not talking about him. I have two other friends. I'm not going to call my name that are, that are straight up cheating. One, I tricked into having her admit she was cheating. She didn't fucking know it. Let me tell you a story. Somebody was playing in Scrabble used a word. Now I'm not going to tell you what word this is because I don't want this getting back to them because honestly, even with them cheating, I probably should beat them. And I usually do, but use a word on a Scrabble board that I looked at and I went, that is not a guessable word. That's not a word where you just shuffle your, your tiles around and go, eh, that looks like a word. I'll put it down, which yeah, I'm fine with that. It's online Scrabble. You can't play a word. That's not a word in real life. Scrabble, you can try to bluff words. You can spell things wrong. There's, you know, that's fine. You know, then you get called out on it. You lose your points if it turns out that's not a word. Online Scrabble, you can't do that. You just can't play a word that's not a word. It's a weird role. I don't know why they just don't have a push the button for, I think that's not a word button. Well, this person played a word and it struck me as that's not a word the person knows. I know why I'm playing the pronoun game. Let's just go with he. That's not a word he knows. And it's not a word that scrambling up the letters would ever show up. I think I could probably be looking at that a couple letters off and not have come up with it. It's a super obscure word. Not so obscure that people don't know it, but it's spelled in a weird way that you don't come up with a Scrabble. And I went, huh. All right. I'm going to give him a chance. And maybe, maybe he knows that word from a very specific place where, where people would know this word from. Again, I'm being... I'm being evasive, so it's not let it go. So the next time I saw this gentleman, I dropped that word into conversation. You know what happened when I dropped that word into conversation? Well, I'll give you a pause. Give me a second. Motherfucker asked me what I meant, because he didn't know that word. He didn't even remember that he played the word. Because here's the thing. If you got a bingo on a triple word score in a game of Scrabble on a really hard word, you're going to remember it. Because that's not a common word. So if you just magically guessed your way into it, you're going to remember it. However, if you ran one of those bullshit Scrabble find the bingo programs, you're just going to type your letters in, get the answer, throw it out, move on to your next game, and fuck you. Because that is bullshit. I don't like losing at Scrabble because of cheaters. However, I'm not going to call them out on it because I don't have a lot of friends. And it really doesn't bother me. I just wanted something to talk about on the show. But <laughs> it is it is a cheaty move. Um... It, so what I'm actually saying is in the future, if you're going to cheat, just remember the words that you use the Scrabble solver to, uh, to cheat with, because I don't really care that much, especially if you're not as good as me. Cause I think that's fair. Just saying, here's what I want from Scrabble as well. Oh, the other friend that did it, um, was not nearly as fun of a story. It was just one of like, there was three words in a row of like, really tough words and put it into the, like these perfect positions, like advanced Scrabble moves. And I'm like, man, eh, that's not your level of play. Like I'm good enough at Scrabble and good. And I know this person well enough that out of nowhere, like five moves straight were perfect and really difficult moves to make involving, you know, one of those things where you lay down a word against four other tiles. So they're like double stacked but it's double stack using like obscure Celt words that like, no, you know, it's one of those you're, this is striking me as a little odd. And after I lost that game, uh, the next game, that person's game went back, that person's level of ability went back to the normal one I expect from them. So I, I went, Oh, so you just got mad and either had somebody that was better at you, better than you play your moves for you use the Scrabble solver, which honestly, I re you know, you got to respect a level of dirtbaggery, but don't do that. It's kind of upsetting. I don't know why online Scrabble doesn't let you bluff at words. That was my, that was a lot of my game on in real life Scrabble because it's fun to do. 
you just put down letters that sort of look like words and then see if you're who you're playing against calls you out on it because if they don't you get points and if they do oftentimes because i know you know i know a good amount of latin and I, i'm familiar with greek roots that sometimes you just you kind of dumb fuck your way into words and it's fun and then you get pointed laugh and you don't have any friends and you end up alone in a basement apartment in portland oregon i'm not crying it's just you know allergy season the thing I want from Scrabble is this. I'm going to stop, stop talking about Scrabble in a second. What I would like, and this is a Scrabble cheat that I've discussed with my friend that beats me uh, with with grace aplomb and not cheating, is that what I want is a program for, you know, like an app or something where you can type in your letters you have in Scrabble and it doesn't give you the answer. All it says is yes or no if there's a bingo in that rack. Because... It takes a while to find obscure bingos and you know it would be cheating so this would be a thing that i you know agree with the person you're playing with but when you're playing enough games of scrabble and you're just kind of dicking around this is a way to waste a few minutes at work i would just like to have a, like literally yes or no binary yes this can be seven letters long no this can't be don't tell me i don't want to know what the seven letter word is i don't want to know if there's a six letter a five letter four letter all the way down to one i don't i don't care about that all I want is one thing. Type in seven letters. There's only one box and it either says yes or no. That's it. That would be lovely because it would save a lot of time. And I know it would save a lot of time for obsessive weirdos like me. And I know a bunch of us because we find our way to Scrabble or God forbid chess uh, where we'll stare at that, that rack and switch it around a whole bunch of times and then put the game down and come back to it an hour later. And it's just it, life would be much more simple if that existed. So people at home, if you want to make that, you can make like in upwards like eight bucks off of people like me in the world that that like Scrabble enough to talk about it on a podcast that theoretically hundreds, if not if not something with a comma, are gonna listen to and you spend your time digging around <laughs> talking about Scrabble. On the early oh god, this is reminding me. On the early show Oh, this goes back a fucking ways. Um Alex cast really early episodes. Uh this is this is the one episodes one through I think thirty eight are not on the are not on the feed so you can't find them. I mean you can but they're not on the feed regularly. I, you know I just pretty much give them to anybody that asks. But I uh, I used to in the middle of the fucking show uh, play Scrabble moves and describe them to the audience. And I think I've done scratch off tickets on the show before as well. Uh, and may I may I bring back an old chestnut that I used to use a lot in the early show. This show sucks. What the fuck are people listening to this for? It's, oh, that is, uh, that is ridiculous. I'm going to have to do another episode soon. We've done this in the past, going back and listening to early, early shows of mine and mocking them viciously. Mocking them viciously is a phrase I use too often and I, I won't, uh, I won't do it anymore. I take it back. Please don't hit me, mommy. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to do that because it's fun going back and listening to just the absolute train wreck that was the show, and very much like this show. But now I talk slightly clearer. the The microphone is definitely better, and now I know people are listening, so I make slightly less horrific jokes. Though I did talk about my uncle molesting me earlier, which didn't happen. Here's here's a thing too that I just thought of. I had my brother on the show in October. He was actually on kind of technically on two episodes. He told my mom about the show. So my mom knows this exists. I should probably stop saying all that uncle rape stuff, huh? Because before, the chances of anybody being an uncle or being the sister or brother of an uncle were pretty goddamn slim. Now, it's actually gotten a lot better. I should probably call my mom and tell her not to listen ever however i'm not gonna do that because i'm a shitty son and i'm a shitty person but who's shittier the shit or the shit that listens to him the answer the shit because you guys out there are all wonderful every single one of you i want to hold you in my arms like the pieta like i'd be mother mary and you'd be my jesus and i'd rock you back and forth until you went to sleep in the loving arms of the alex cast Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? And then, I guess I'd probably put some salve in those horrible stigmata wounds you have and put you in a cave for three days, and then you'd rise from the dead and 
somehow our religion of peace will be taken up by one of the most bellicose and horrible empires to ever exist and blight the land and turn a religion of peace into a, essentially a factory of hate, guilt, and later child molestation. Which that time I'm not kidding, because it's true. Way to go, Rome. Way to go. Quickly, I just would like to say, uh, this is something I was, I was talking to a friend of mine in my head. This was not an actual conversation that happened, but I often will have conversations with people in my head because I, no one talks to me. I was talking about Rome w with him and um, he asked me, this is the invented person in my head that doesn't actually exist. Well, the person exists. I just wasn't having the conversation. Asked me uh, why, what I like about Rome because I talk about Rome a lot. I, I, I'm interested in Rome. I don't like Rome. I, I think Rome's horrible, and that's what's interesting to me. I think Rome is, Rome is like what, Rome is like what would have happened if Hitler won. It was, I mean, I know that's a real, that's the giant overreaching example. That's the one that you shouldn't go to. You know, it's uh, God winning the conversation. I think it's Godwin's law, right? But anyway, um, it's, it's as if, so let's say Hitler won World War II. We fast forward. And and for some reason, a lot of the ways that we store media wasn't as good. So obviously, some of the newsreels and shit, and just assume there's papyrus and you know not a lot of uh, written records are around. Fast forward a hundred, two hundred years. Now the story of Hitler is this grand champion, this man that swooped down and destroyed horrible races and founded this beautiful empire based on order, and it's Rome. I mean, the story of Rome, the actual story of Rome that they tell each other is Romulus and Remus. Um, Romulus kills his brother to fa uh, because of there's a bunch of stories, but essentially he kills his brother uh, to found, found the city. A bunch of essentially criminals show up because they're the only ones he could find to live there. They don't have any chicks, so they pop over to the place next door, steal and rape their women, bring them back to Rome. By the time the places next door muster up enough of strength to try to beat down Rome, the women have been kind of uh, um, Stockholm syndromed into thinking this is where they live and actually pleaded on behalf saying, these are our husbands. These are our children. You can't kill them. So they combine forces and this is where the start of Rome is. What? This is evil. But for some reason, like, that's the story they tell and becomes this kind of parable of, of, of individualism and strength. They're horrible. Now, the Republic era Rome isn't bad. Um, I mean, they're bad, but for the, for the time, they're not the worst, you know, they're, they're pretty, pretty tolerable, but it really is this foundation of kind of hate and weirdness. Then moving forward, it's, it, once it turns into the, the Roman empire with, with, when Caesar, you know, declares himself emperor, they essentially become a, a vehicle for evil. And we speak of them like they're this civilizing force because they kind of are, but they're a civilizing force in the way that like the Nazi thing, it's, you know, the, just these the, the Romans made straight roads. You know, this would be, you know, Nazis made Nazi balustrades. Like this is like, they made great cars and made the, you know, made the, they made the Autobahn. Like it's Rome was like if Hitler won, except, you know, it's harder to find early sources and it's harder to kind of see how, essentially evil they were, but that's why I'm interested in Rome, but I'm interested in Rome the way you'd be interested in the Klingons. You know, they're, they're, they're a bellicose and horrible race, and they turned into a church. I mean, uh, Phil K. Dick talks about it, you know, the empire never went away. You know, for me, it's, they just, they subtly morphed into church. The Holy Roman Empire becomes the Holy Roman Church, you know, the Roman Church. It's, it's, it's disturbing. So, to my friend that I wasn't talking to, but I was talking to, I'm not interested in Rome because Rome is a is a cool, beautiful place, and it's a something that like oh wow, what a civilizing force. No, I mean I, I'm interested in Rome because it's 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 almost like the example of well, sometimes you know that that evil thing can actually breed something that's not good, but you now it it brought civilization to a lot of places. You know, a lot of the the virtues and the things America was founded on, which we're supposed to be all proud of, is based on Rome. It's Roman virtues. Interesting. Maybe it's not interesting. I don't know. I'm currently being distracted by, by, I don't know why. Somebody just sent me a picture of a, 
Oh, you know what that must is that a is that a tattoo necklace? Is that what you sent that to me? I'm sorry, I'm talking to one person right now. Um, and I realized that she and I were talking about tattoo necklaces and I didn't know what those were, and that must be it. So uh at altered underscore one was is being very nice and said, traveling while rocking the Alex Cast podcast. Highly recommend this method. Why thank you, in quotes, sir. I had nothing to follow it up on. Maybe I do. Who knows? You know what it is? It's a secret. He is asking me about episodes 153 through 155, and I would like to know what those are. So come join me, followers of the AlexCast, on a journey down into my archives. If you go to AlexCast.com, in fact, let's live, let's do this together, me and you. I'm looking at AlexCast.com, and at the top of the page, you'll see a beautiful watercolor I drew. And by that, I mean it's a thing I drew once. And by drew, I mean painted. And by painted, I mean watercolored. And by watercolored, I mean only made one of those and then copied it in Photoshop. And it looks kind of shitty on a screen this big. Ignore that part. The tabs, as we see, home and about. Those are stupid books. If you click on that, you can find the books I wrote. Those are two of them. I wrote a book of poetry and short stories called The Void Sutras. Recently, two people gave it good reviews on Amazon, and I thank both of them. The other book is Periphery. Periphery is quite good. According to a guy named Derek, who is writing me on Goodreads, it is something that is causing coincidences in his life and has overlapped with his view of the world quite severely. You may remember that back when I had Last Bone Stands on, we, for, uh, Mike from the Whatcast, we discussed how periphery has been something that causes coincidences in his life and has overlapped with his. Reading this book causes coincidences. I don't know how it works, but it's true. Read the book. Find out. I've had, at this point, five different people found small plastic dinosaurs on the ground where one should not be. Now, if you haven't read the book, you have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. If you read the book, probably still don't know what I'm talking about. But it's a small aside in the book, but it's becoming kind of a thing that the readers of Periphery find small plastic dinosaurs. It's a thing. Episodes 153 through 155. 153 was... That's not like Nate. That didn't really... Nothing, 154. Oh, probably um, the moving of large stones, which I talked about with the podcast last week, and futurism, God, conspiracy theory. Okay, just weirdo shit. The same weirdo shit I would talk about on the show. So I'm looking at that. You can also find the writing tab, which is where I've imported my old blog from when I first moved to Oregon. Um, I had a thing called One Angry Anthropoid, which I have enough listeners now in Portland. I really want someone, as I just said, that they go, oh my God, fuck, that's you? Because... Um, I don't have a lot of people that followed me all the way through, and uh, I was like when weird shit like that happens. So uh, my old blog is most of it's imported there. I deleted a bunch of stuff that was time sensitive and didn't make a lot of sense. There's probably still a bunch of dead links and shit, but there's some decent writing. And then um, I've also uploaded some poems and shit like that. You can also get under the writing tab uh, a PDF of the first, like, probably the first, you know, first fifth of periphery that you can read for absolutely free. So that's pretty cool. There's an art tab where you can see art that people have made for the show, for the book, or that I've made for the show or the book or just my own thing. And there's a videos tab, which is just, I'm going to have to take that down because I was expecting to make more, but there's a couple of videos of me reading tarot there. So that'd be, that'd be fun for you guys to go to. Um, the other stuff you can click on, click on the Amazon link. And if you click that and buy anything on Amazon, I get a small percentage and you don't have to pay extra, which is really good because I'm poor. There's a PayPal donate link, which that's even better because you could just give me money because I really need money because I don't have any. Um, in fact, I overdrew my account this time because um, I don't get paid till Friday by 49 cents. So I took that 49 cents out of the 70 cents I had in my savings account. So <laughs> that's where the PayPal donate link is. iTunes link, Stitcher link, all that other shit. Just click on everything. Love it. Worship it. Dig it. That's AlexCast.com. Enjoy. I think at this point, between you and me, we're done. Yeah, I think we are. I want to thank you guys for listening, especially the two people who are listening live. I'm going to guess one is Veggie Vixen, at Veggie Vixen. Follow her, lovely woman. I'm going to guess the other is, I guess the altered one. He might be listening while moving around. I don't know. This whole guesswork was stupid. Because there's two people listening live. They're the only ones that would respond to this. Except for... And then there's going to be hundreds of people that are listening to this in the iTunes version. Well, it's like an hour into the show. No one's actually listening this far. Especially after the way the show started. 
That was a fucking clunker. Jesus Christ. I still blame Nate Brantley for making me ask about fucking say stupid shit about quantum physics. Fucker. I didn't even get into the quantum slit experiment. Which sounds dirty, but it isn't. Um, that was a terrible thing to say. Here's the thing. I want to, I want to explain that because I actually feel like a fucking scumbag for what I just said right there. I listened to the Opie and Anthony show and Anthony of the Opie and Anthony show. He's the second name. He's the one that isn't Opie or the, or the combining word and, um, was, was using the term slit, um, in a joking fashion to describe ladies. And he did it to be over the top, disgusting and awful. So, um, because I just listened to that show, uh, yesterday, and that was in my head, and I said that horrible thing, and I, it's not, I know I don't have to apologize to you guys, but I really want to there, because that was, that was just bleed through of a different thing, and that's not something I really would ever want to say out loud. It's like, um, I would never want to use the C word to an actual lady, because, um, that's like a, that's like a jerk thing to do. Or, like, uh, calling somebody a bitch, like, a uh, lady folk a bitch, or anybody that. It's not, a, it's, there's certain words I don't really like using. Like, I'm not gonna say, uh, like, unless I'm making a reference to my dad calling me a faggot, I'm not going to use that word. Because I don't like that word. It's pretty hateful. And I'm not a fan of it. I'm not going to use the N-word unless I happen to be by myself and expressing some opinion about people. No, it's JK, dog. Um, that's not a word I use either. But I'm not trying to be, like, white knight thinking I'm a good person. I'm not. I'm a pile of shit. But I'm a pile of shit that doesn't like using certain language. And that that little quantum thing was terrible. Sorry I said it out loud. But I did. And I'm just going to have to live with it. Apologize fully. Shout out to Dr. Quantum. You can find a video that Dr. Quantum explains the quantum slit experiment. Uh, it's a really good introduction to some of the weirdness of, of quantum theory. I will, you know what, I'm going to find that and I will post a link to it on alexgas.com for the description for this episode. Um, yeah, that is that. This is one of those things where now, now it's, I feel bad for the way the show started because I really feel like I did a shitty job. That, that hot air balloon question, I could, I like, I probably could have found something funny about that. And I don't know why I opened with it because I, I need to be on a roll. So I started off slow and, and, you know, I feel bad about that. And then, then I feel bad about saying that, that horrible thing at the end. And this just ruined the whole show for me. I'm going to go cry now. And it's pretty much, it's pretty much all Anthony fucking Kumia's fault from O&A. Thanks, Ant. Fucking jerk. Kidding. He's actually, seems like a nice guy under, underneath the, all the racism and the sexism and the being a jerk. But he's very funny. So pretty much if you're funny, I'm, I'm going to be pretty apt to forgive. If you're funny and nonviolent, um, I'm going to pretty much forgive you because I'm, I don't forgive violent people. I'm not a, not a hateful person. Um, I use the term hate a lot, just colloquially, just because it's easier to say, describe, because a lot of other people hate stuff. I'm not a big hater of things, but, uh, but I, I really hate violence, um, like real violence, not like UFC where it's violence for the sake of athleticism, but like anybody that's violent towards somebody else in like real life, um, you know, at bars or, uh, you know, at sporting events that are in the middle of the sport, just any kind of, or, you know, uh, uh, robbing and other horrible things. Yeah, that's really gross. And that's not really a forgivable thing. Cause it's a matter of you chose to do that. Like you, you were your sovereign individual that took away the sovereignty of somebody else. That's something I actually hate. That's pretty bothersome, which is weird because I actually want to do violence on them for it, which is odd, which I won't because I'm a, I'm a person of moral standing and willpower, and I would not do that, but I would like to dislocate a shoulder or something. Just something something that would be pastoring uh, for the rest of the life, but not like, you know, they could still work a job. You know, like, I don't want to ruin someone's life. I just want to break their shoulder a little bit. Because it's like, just don't be violent to people. That's just, that's just mean. You don't have to be nice. You can say horrible things. Saying horrible things is fine. Just don't raise your voice too much and don't hurt anybody physically. And we can all get along, you know. In a wonderful way that we can all just hug and kiss and pretend that you're part of the Pieta or whatever the fuck nonsense I said before. So what do you guys take away from the episode is this. Go back and find the part where I said the Our Father but was shit about the podcast. Um, that was fun. Um, yeah, that might be it. Yeah. I'm actually kind of getting a little dizzy. I had, uh, I had, um, I had a pickle for dinner. So I'm, I kind of need something to eat now. So I'm going to stop talking to you, but I want you to know that deep in my heart, deep in my heart, I love you, each and every one of you. Not you, though. 
You know the one I'm talking about. Not you. No. If you're just, if you just got like a little panicky thinking I was talking about you, it's not you. It's the one that took that with cool a plum thinking there's a possible way he's talking about me, but then maybe not you either. Who knows? Looking dead at you, Jeff. Dead at fucking you. And by that, I mean, I'm actually looking at a dead guy named Jeff on the, on the futon. He's, he's dead for me fucking him. That was a literal statement. It's pretty horrible of me to have done it, but I was lying about not being violent. I, um, I was, uh, I was, I have no way to finish that. I have to stop checking Twitter while I'm talking. So yeah, that is, okay. That's my show for the evening. Thank you guys. Uh, the few of you that listen live and thank you to the numbers that listen on tape. Please go to iTunes, leave a good review or do any of that stuff I told you about before on the website, like, um, you know, clicking Amazon links and audible links, which I didn't mention before, but audible, if you need a free audiobook. Like literally you click there. It'll give you a free audiobook. And they give me 15 bucks for everybody that does that. Um, now, I don't have any of my books in audio form, but you'd get a free book for 15 bucks. And all you got to do is cancel within like 30 days. You keep the audiobook for free and I get 15 bucks. So if you don't have any money to donate to the show, but you have a credit card, just go sign up. Actually, actually you can do it through Amazon if you have an Amazon account. Like if you already signed up with Amazon with your card, um, just do that. Because I, I could use 15 bucks. Like if all you guys did that, I could like afford rent. Well, if one of you guys did that, I would... I would, I would have 15 times as much money as I have now. Cause as I was saying before, um, I'm 29 cents minus, I know here's 49 cents minus 70. So I have like 21 cents right now until Friday. So, uh, you know, saying, you know, let's put, let's put some of that, let's put some of that math together and go, Hey, let's, let's be awesome to Alex or don't. What was I saying? That was fucking, God damn it, Alex, you were an asshole. I was talking about that going to Alex. Yes. Oh yeah. If you don't want to do any of that, um, reviews really help. I was talking about this when the, when the Whatcast guys were on, but, uh, the way that re- the way that pretty much any standings work on podcast sites is based on reviews and new subscriptions. So if you're not subscribed to my show on iTunes, please do. You don't even have to download that many of it. Just, just fucking hit subscribe. And if you haven't, uh, left a review yet and you want to leave a good one, please go ahead and do that. Uh, I know a bunch of you have iTunes have not left reviews. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But I'm just saying that you're, I mean, you're just not really that good of a person because, I mean, it would take you fucking seconds to do it. And the fact that you haven't yet is a direct reflection on how much you care about me and the random people around. I'm so sorry. I'm being such a dick. I'm done. Um, don't do anything and just keep listening to the show if you want to. And I will love you. I will just love the people that do all that other stuff for. Uh, yes. So I've been Alex, you've been the audience, and this has been another edition of Alex really needs to find some transportation to the East Coast that goes faster than a shitty fucking flight. Good evening.